and welcome to Season 3 of Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Chuck Spadina, a.k.a. Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-hosts. Her review of the movie Cats was also drippy little things moving along about a foot off the ground. Whitney Nelson. Uh, pretty much, yes. <laughs> it's fairly accurate. And let's hear it for the vague blur. Eric Hall is joining us today. Hi. Hello, everyone. Where might you know Eric from? Well, I have some notes in front of me. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case you weren't aware. You might actually recognize the name if you listen to maybe one of my co-hosts' other podcasts. I have no idea. I have no idea what you do or don't do. Perhaps historical hotties? Perhaps that one? I don't know. That's our, that's one of my first notes. He appears on podcast, What Did We Just Watch? And historical hotties. He's worked on several small features and shorts. He really, really likes movies. And like Keanu Reeves, is not aging like normal mortals. That's Eric. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I can vouch for it. All of that is is totally true. What is it like at a, what are we at? Like a fraction of aging? Like if you had to give like a percentage, like a year for a normal person is like what, a month for you? Something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like reverse dog years, I think. Like I'm only aging one year every <laughs> Forever seven. Forever Wow. That's not yeah. bad. All right. It's pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We got to get on, uh, we got to get on that. It's all about moisturizing, Andrew. I never do that. I'm terrible at it. So, all right, yeah. I'll take your well, there advice. You go. I'll be going. I'll be visiting the internet later tonight. Then for moisturizer. <laughs> now, Eric, before we get into the episode proper, I have a couple things that I would love to ask you. Sure. We need to establish a baseline. So, because this is going to color everything that you say from this point forward, and potentially on future episodes, and and going back, and everything like that. So. Can you tell us what your first Keanu Reeves movie that you saw or have a memory of seeing was? And then maybe give us a rundown of, and this is how the sausage is made, everybody. We might cut this out in the, I don't know. Give us your top 10. (laughs) He already put this together. Okay. But give us your top 10. (laughs) Uh, So the first one I saw was probably Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I feel like that was mid-80s. I probably didn't see it in the theater. My parents weren't uh, big go-to-the-theater people, but I'm sure I rented it. Um, So, yeah, that was was my intro, as I think it was for a lot of people. Um, As far as the top ten, so going back to how the sausage is made, I did (laughs) do my top ten based on only the films you guys covered in seasons one and two. Yeah, yeah. So there are, there are some films missing here and some things will definitely move around. <laughs> um, but, but for the time being, here is my top 10. All right. So number 10, uh, Something's Gotta Give. Uh, I love Nancy Myers' uh, Rich White People Problems movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> Fun. Uh, number nine is The Replacements. Yes. I just find it 
incredibly rewatchable. It is one of those movies where if I come across it on television, I have to stop and watch the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight was Constantine. Um, right. I was never, I'm a comic book fan. Um, but I didn't read Hellblazer, so I didn't have any of that baggage going in. Um, and I just thought it was fun and, you know, silly in the right way. Um, you know, as opposed to some of the other genre stuff that they had tried to do around the same time that, that didn't work quite as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven is The Matrix Reloaded, which is, a, you know, a good quality sequel to a, a mind-blowing movie. Right. Number six is Parenthood. Um, Keanu doesn't have a ton to do in that movie, but the rest of the cast is so stacked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so sweet. It's so funny. Um, just love that movie. Um, number five is where you guys are probably, you know, going to yell at me like Evan. <laughs> Um, my number five is Johnny Mnemonic. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but all right, so bear with me. Okay. A very high ranking, but yes, please explain. <laughs> it's also just a very Eric movie. So um, I'm very much like a genre film fan. Um, I don't I don't watch as many dramas or, uh, you know, real world scenarios, that sort of thing. I also went through a really intense period where I was reading a lot of cyberpunk. Um, I, I've pretty much read anything William Gibson has written. Okay. And given that that's the only real solid adaptation that we have. And I freely admit, I love that that movie is just bug nuts crazy. Like. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren shows up. Ice T shows up. Yeah. There's a fucking dolphin. Um, Ostensibly, yeah. right? Uh, so, sorry. Right now, that movie is at number five on my list. Okay, fair enough. The rest of the rest of them, I promise, will make sense. Right. Uh, number four is Speed, which is probably the best of the Die Hard ripoffs. Uh huh. Uh. Number three, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think that movie holds up. It's really sweet. It's really funny. Um, yes, they do drop the F-bomb, and I'm not talking the UCK, but other than that, yeah. I don't even think it's that dated. Uh, number two is Point Break, which is an amazing movie. Um, everyone in it is killing it. Um, and is responsible for my beloved Fast and the Furious franchise, which is just a remake <laughs> of Point Break. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, number one is The Matrix. Um, it's just visually an amazing movie. Um, I believe in Whitney's episode, she sort of pointed out that it's not necessarily an original idea in terms of, I guess, the way it was celebrated as being so original. But that's kind of what I like about it, is it it took all of these things that were kind of in the ether and gave it an interesting sort of glossy sci-fi front to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the technical achievements were so great that we had to spend the next 10 years watching people try to replicate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. To varying degrees of success, unfortunately. <laughs> to varying degrees of success. <laughs> well, 
I think that's a pretty solid top 10. I think everybody's mm-hmm. top 10 has like one questionable choice in like there. One wild card thrown in there that has to do with their personality or being a formative movie. Like mine, Much Ado About Nothing. Like I'm not saying that it's not, not a good movie, but it also is not necessarily top five for most people. And I get that. It just, for me, it it is such a nostalgic movie in addition to being a movie that I genuinely enjoy. So, Right. Yeah, I'm, much ado's in, wild card. Yeah, much ado's in in mine as well. But I think my wild cards probably tune in tomorrow. Probably. Yeah, tune in tomorrow is pretty high for <laughs> that's me both, too. Yeah, it's both of ours. It's it's a it's great. I'm sorry, it won't be up for in the top ten for much longer. But let's enjoy it while we can. <laughs> and I did not go back and watch the like forty three other movies you've watched. So why would you? Don't do that. <laughs> Most of them were not very good. To As be honest a rule, with it's you, it's not worth it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right, you're in it for the the future, which is it's looking pretty good here. Season three, there are a lot of movies here that I have not seen, and and I believe Whitney has also not seen. Correct. Um. But there but I, are three movies that I have definitely seen. Right. To, we have not talked about any of those yet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw one of them with you. You did. You yeah. did. We saw two together. I can, I, I'll say this. So I have this right in front of me right here. Uh, our season one, so I have the critical and audience score averages. So season one, uh, the critical average was 68%. The audience average was 65%. Season two that drops down to forty four percent and fifty eight and fifty eight percent respectively. So overall, just not. I mean, there were some real. <laughs> not you, had, you had a rough go of it in season two. <laughs> yeah, you really there were did. some movies. Sixteen chain reaction, sixteen percent. Johnny Mnemonic, sorry to say, thirteen <laughs> percent. Like uh, there are some real. The Watcher was ten. I'm not going to lie, y'all. There were there were a couple of episodes I was like, oh, I'm not listening to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, totally fine. There were a couple episodes where we were almost all like, no, we're not watching that. It's fine. Yeah, I almost put up, like, in protest, I almost refused to record some episodes. So. <laughs> I can't blame you for not listening to them. Up top, I want to mention, you can find the website at coolbreezepod.com. Email us, coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. Uh, we've updated the website in a number of interesting new ways to get in, make it easier to get in touch with us, with which a lot of you have done via email. There's also, you can send in voice messages and, and things like that. It's uh, trying to include a lot more of the listeners for these upcoming final two seasons, as it were. Uh, as we close in on the end of the uh, the Keanu filmography. Uh, if you like what we do and you want to support it directly, you can also join us on Patreon where you will receive no benefits whatsoever. But hey, <laughs> you know, maybe Whitney will put together a thing of uh, mouse bones and human teeth for you. Uh, as maybe promised. I will. <laughs> so, and again... Uh, if you don't want to throw any bucks our way, a review on iTunes is super, super easy. I actually went ahead and posted instructions on how to do that on both desktop and on your phone. And it's actually way easier than I thought it was. It might be easier than it was in iTunes to do it in the hmm. podcasts app. So I'll retweet that periodically from time to time now that it's done. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So much to do. We haven't done this in a while, but I figured it might be fun. Well, this is a heck of a year. Yeah. Other films, you know, we got to kind of take a temperature of where we are movie-wise alongside Keanu here to get an idea of what else was being made. So 
we I was a little lax about this from like 2000 to now, so whatever. But 2006, here are some of the most popular movies according to IMDb. So we have, uh, you two should love this, The Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, Casino Royale. The, the, yeah. <laughs> Do I just stop there? <laughs> Both of them are, are the best in their franchises. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. The Prestige, Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. The Devil Wears Prada, Idiocracy, mm-hmm. Children of Men, Mission Impossible 3, and our best picture winner that year, The Departed, which is, it's a bananas list. That is. It's There's like, a lot of heavy hitters in a lot of different categories. Right. That's a good year, and you can kind of see maybe this one flew under the radar a little bit. <laughs> what, this movie that we're going to yeah. discuss today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we generally ask this question, so if you if you were only able to watch just one of these, your Desert Island movie, which one of these are you taking with you? So my family's going to hate me. <laughs> and by family, <laughs> I mean my Fast and the Furious family. <laughs> Um, but I'm also a huge James Bond fan, so right. it's probably going to be Casino Royale. Yeah, there's really no beating that opening parkour scene. Like, it's really yeah. difficult to, yeah. the whole opening thing. Yeah, I'm torn between Tokyo Drift and The Devil Wears Prada. Oof. Yeah. If, if Stanley Tucci were in Tokyo Drift, then no contest. 100% <laughs> Tokyo Drift all the way. But. If I have to watch one movie for the rest of my life, and Stanley Tucci's in one of them, it might be that movie, so. Dear God, am I hoping for Stanley Tucci in the next Fast and the Furious movie? That would be incredible. Who knows? I would choke on my own tongue. Who knows what they're going to do? With the insane casting they're doing? I'm on board. It's impossible to predict. Uh, I gotta start a petition. (laughs) I'll sign that. I'll sign that. Let's go to... Uh, Dear Vin Diesel, how many retweets for Stanley Tucci? <laughs> You'd be a great bit player, just as the guy who gives the mission or whatever. Or I would li- like him to have a more active role, but sure. Even if he's just in well, it now, as a walk-on. He can't take the place of my of my uh, dad, Kurt Russell, but he can like... <laughs> maybe he could be like the baddies overlord, something like that. Yeah, I'm in for that. Bad guy Stanley? Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. I'll take him any way I can get him. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Just going to let that sit there. (laughs) I just wanted to, I didn't want to say anything. I was like, Uh uh, just Uh nod. Uh You can't see me nodding. I think everyone got my drift. uh, (laughs) We're picking up what you're putting down. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Andrew? Um, What's your answer? I will say that of these films, um, my favorite, far and away, is probably Children of Men, but that is a dark uh, movie that you probably wouldn't want to watch for the rest of your life. Definitely not, but it is, it, it like, it's the best one on the list as far yeah. as, like, watching yeah. it one time, but when you're talking stuck on a desert island with one movie, <laughs> that's not the one you want to be stuck on a desert island with. No, no. So I think I'm with Eric on this one, with Casino Royale. That had the right amount of fun, action. It had everything that I would want in a James Bond film. It's, yes, it's it's kind of a, it's a perfect James Bond movie, really, truly. Mm-hmm. Similarly, Pan's Labyrinth seems like it would be fun, but oh. <laughs> boy, is that movie dark. Yeah, you don't <laughs> right. want to watch that over and over and over again for indefinitely that's that wouldn't do uh-huh. well for me at all yeah you figure at night alone yeah. on a desert island and you're watching that movie come on 
that's going to start to have an effect on your on your psyche. So, Eric, if you would do the honors, I would love to hear about what we are talking about today. Today, we are talking about the film A Scanner Darkly. Uh, the plot synopsis from IMDb is that an undercover cop in a not too distant future becomes involved with a dangerous new drug and begins to lose his own identity as a result. It was based on a novel of the same name by Philip K. Dick. I interjectionally am a fan of Philip K. Dick. We <laughs> refer to ourselves as dickheads. <laughs> nice. It was directed and adapted to the screen by Richard Lickletter, whose directing credits also include Teenage Whitney's favorite film, Waking Life, mm -hmm. Boyhood, The Before Trilogy, and most recently, Where Did You Go, Bernadette? I don't think I've ever heard them referred to as the Before Trilogy until this moment. Uh, they've always heard. just been like Before Sunrise and then whatever he made after that. <laughs> the other Befores. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I had completely forgotten he had made those films. Oh, they're so Richard Linkletter, though. Yeah, they truly they're like, are. They're like peak Richard Linkletter. Rounding out the cast is a wild list of names. Mm -hmm. Got Rory Cochran, Robert Downey Jr., Winona Ryder, and Woody Harrelson. Mm -hmm. And I will point out a really awkward cameo by Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> right. I thought that was him. I was like, what the? <laughs> Kinda, I got what he deserved, though. I really enjoyed that part. <laughs> if you if you don't recognize the name Rory Cochran, by the way, I will just let you know right now that he is best known, in my opinion, for his role in um, Empire Records as Lucas, the one who takes all the money to the casino mm. to try and save the record store. Okay. Very different role and in this he also, movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he also worked with Linkletter in... Uh, the Texas high school movie, whose name I'm forgetting. Mm. Okay. Dazed and Confused. Sure. Dazed ah. and Confused. Uh, yeah. So, Whitney, uh, what what are the critics thinking about this movie? It's it's It looks weird, right? It sounds mm -hmm. weird. Richard Linklater, I, I mean, you know, I'm not too familiar with how his other movies have been critically received. What are we thinking of A Scanner Darkly? Uh, well, we have on Rotten Tomatoes a critical score of 68% and an audience score of 74%. So overall, audiences rate this movie higher than critics do. Mm. We have a quote from uh, Dana Stevens of Slate, who says, As a scanner darkly proves, Keanu is the coolness, passive blankness, leaden line delivery, and all. Let's hear it for vague for the vague blur. Yeah. Which is a very slight thing to say. Just all of that was very slight. <laughs> very, uh, very slight. We have a user quote from Kevin P. on Rotten Tomatoes, who gave it three and a half out of five stars and says, A very faithful Philip K. Dick adaptation. The unique animation style is a novel idea. The acting is strong and the twist near the end works. It just gets muddled from a story standpoint at times. So I would love for you to also go first on this, Eric, being that you actually are a, uh, a dickhead uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In, in, in the parlance <laughs> you uh, conveyed. I think first, it'd be cool to know if you read this, is it a very faithful adaptation of the original story or is it like 
did Linklater and the cast kind of make it their own? I, I'm, yeah. And then everything else that we generally cover. So feel, <laughs> feel free to just kind of jump in where, wherever you feel. So first of all, I'm pretty sure none of his fans refer to themselves as dickheads, but I'm really trying to make that stick. <laughs> it's it's catchy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I got into Philip K. Dick because he's one of the the more adapted sci-fi authors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I feel like not a lot of people know about him the way they know about like someone like Asimov or Arthur C. Clarke, but really um, Philip K. Dick's stories kind of led them, lend, lent themselves to um, a variety of interpretations. So you have something as sort of, big and bombastic as like Paul Verhoeven's Total Recall. Yeah. Which is based on a Philip K. Dick story. You have something as just god awful as the like um Nicolas Cage vehicle next, which was terrible, <laughs> but also based on a Philip K. Dick story. Why? And sort of the the platonic ideal, I think, of of movie versus story um is a scanner darkly. Um, it's a very close adaptation. Now, it's been a while since I've read the book, so, you know, I, I can't speak to, you know, word for word. But as I remember the plot, um, it's a very close adaptation. And I think in terms of the form that Linkletter chose, obviously he did it first with Waking Life. Mm-hmm. Um, but bringing it back for this movie where... First of all, the idea of the scramble suit works really well on the page, but could have gone just horribly in a film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think using the rotoscope technique really works for that. But then it just also lends itself to the mood of the story. Um, you know, Arctur is is an unreliable narrator. Um, you know, we open with that that uh scene of rory Cork rory corcoran cochran thinking he's covered in bugs um and mm. i think i think that works better um it adds it lightens it a little bit um so that it doesn't feel um so dark uh, i think you know, a dark version of this is like David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch, where you're dealing with drug users, but it they're seeing really crazy, awful stuff. Um, and with this, um, it's a little lighter and feels a little looser. Um, so as, in terms of an adaptation, I, I think it did do well. The only thing I can recall that that didn't feel as tight this time is in in philip k dick's novel um i feel like arctor has almost completely disassociated and doesn't realize that he is the guy he's watching on the scanner yeah um and i think they i think they kind of toy with that idea here but they never really they're fully not explicit bring it to that. with it yeah exactly <clears throat> yeah but overall i uh i enjoy it um i don't I'm not a huge Linkletter fan. Um, his his movies are a little too shaggy dog, a little too hangout <laughs> for me. Um, but it works for this story. Um, 
So I think that that aspect of it, he kind of played to his strengths with the story that he chose. Um, I didn't do too much research because I did not want to screw up the pop quiz, but it sounds like uh, Linkletter originally wanted to do uh, Man in the High Castle, which of course has now been adapted as an Amazon series. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure that his loose sort of just let the camera run style would have worked quite as well for that. Hmm. Those are always the interesting things to think about. Like what would that have been like? And I probably tend to agree that not as good, not, not nearly as as good. good. Yeah. But this cast is, as as mentioned in the intro, pretty incredible. And I think I didn't look at the the timing, but I think this is a a very pre Iron Man Robert Downey Jr. Who's this is square in the middle of drug issues in his personal life, Robert Downey yeah. Jr. Okay. This is this is pre comeback Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I think Iron Man was two thousand eight. Yeah, that nine. sounds right. Uh, so this would have been two. Well. Production would have been three, maybe four years before, depending on, I don't know how long a rotoscope movie takes versus a traditionally shot (laughs) film. But, you know, I don't know if it adds more or less. Um, This was troubled, troubled Robert. Square in the middle of like him (laughs) kind of disappearing because he was dealing with his own substance abuse issues. And that was actually the first thing that I remember about Scanner Darkly is a conversation around Robert Downey Jr. playing an addict. And how people felt about that. So, I mean, what's really interesting, if you want to go that route, is uh, historically in the comic books, Tony Stark also has a chemical dependency. Mm-hmm. And Marvel toyed with the idea of doing that as well. And I think that's part of the reason that Downey was was cast for that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they completely wrote, <laughs> wrote it out of those movies. Um, but I think part of his comeback was always going to be playing to the the audience's knowledge that that he had a, a dependency problem. Interesting. All right. Whitney, would you uh, you, you want to follow up here? Yeah. So there's uh, a lot that I agree on and a lot that I don't agree on with what Eric just said. And again, I have not read the book in many, 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 many years. So I could be totally wrong about the what I took from the book uh, forever ago. But what I remembered the book, like the main overall thesis of the book being is like, the fragility of living a life and thinking that, you know, everything is what you think it is and sort of like the obscure horror of insanity and not knowing what's real and what isn't and feeling the slipping, but then not knowing if you're slipping. And in this movie, I feel like the drama stays too low key, which Eric kind of said with the whole laid back thing. Mm. Um, And I think that the animation, which worked so well for Waking Life, Because Waking Life is about, are we sleepwalking through life or are we wakewalking through our dreams, essentially, is what you can boil Waking Life down to. And I think that the the sort of rotoscope, surrealist, colorful style really works for making everything very dreamlike. But I think that it takes away some of the poignancy of the themes of the book. Um, Because it it's a head trip from beginning to end. And so you already start in a place of hallucinations and insanity and you don't get to that point where it's like things are slipping. 
Um, and I think that the 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 rotoscoping style and the colors and everything and the the way that everything shifts vaguely in every frame as you're watching it is like adds to the surreal drug trip quality rather than the border of what is real and what is not real. I feel like if it had not been rotoscoped, it would have been a much more effective storytelling the Philip K. Dick viewpoint of the story. Mm. Um, I do think that it really did build a mood and it, it, it very is a, it's a very strong and very evocative mood that it evokes with the the rotoscoping. So I'm not necessarily mad at it, but I think it takes away the point of the original story. I think that the themes are different when you rotoscope it in this way because you assume everyone's crazy from the beginning because we start, A, with a guy who's seeing bugs everywhere, and (laughs) B, it's so surrealistic from the beginning that there's never any question of, like, what is realistic and what is not because you're like, none of this that they're seeing is realistic. Um, Overall, I think it's it's a a good movie. Um, And as far as adaptations go, like... Huge chunks of the narrative are pulled straight from the book. I don't remember how much or like what parts, but I do remember when I watched A Scanner Darkly that I was like, whole sections, like you could take a highlighter and go through and 50% of the book or more is actually word for word in the script of the movie. Um, So it's, it's, it's a closer adaptation, I think, than most movies are from books. But I think that it doesn't necessarily stay true to... It was it was sort of like a thriller horror kind of a thing with Philip K. Dick, and it was not so much with Richard Linkletter. It was really just more like a political movie with Richard Linkletter. Um, so yeah, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. Um, but I think the cast is incredible, and I think Keanu does a very good job considering we don't even see him half the time because he's in his suit. Yeah. <laughs> The suit, by the way, in that opening scene where he's giving the speech to the, like, Rotary Club, the suit flashes on Philip K. Dick for a second. <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. And I agree with Whitney in, in as much as uh, it is very much a Richard Linkletter version of a Philip K. Dick story. I mean, um, Philip K. Dick stories are infinitely more paranoid than this one is. Um they focus, uh, or they are a lot more. They're a lot more concerned with surveillance and privacy. Um, another very good adaptation uh, is Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that story is him, you know, really digging into surveillance and government oversight and that sort of thing. Um, you know, Philip K. Dick was a drug addict. Um, he did have some, I don't know that he was ever clinically diagnosed, but he did have some some episodes. Uh, he believes that he was either a religious fervor or contacted by aliens. Um, hmm. He had some of his papers stolen and, and firmly believed that the government was behind it. So um, his stories are usually have more bite than this one has for sure i was actually so i have not read this uh book so i'm coming in completely and i had not seen this movie prior to this so i i'm coming in completely fresh but to get a while you were both talking about it i was like what else 
what other films of Philip K. Dick have been adapted? And it turns out like a lot of really excellent ones. Uh, All of your favorite movies. Yeah. If you have a favorite sci-fi movie, it's probably Philip K. Dick. So you got um, Mm -hmm. Blade Runner, Total Recall, uh, Screamers, Minority Report, as we said, Paycheck, this. Uh, What else do we have? The Adjustment Bureau? That was, that was okay, right? It was, what was that, Matt Damon, I think, maybe? Uh, mm-hmm. The the remake of Total Recall, which was, you know, whatever. And Blade Runner 2049. I mean, I will say the average in that list is pretty low. Right. But they, I mean, for me, I mean, those they might not be great movies. And uh, it, like with, uh, we experienced with Keanu, not a lot of these are great movies. I still yeah. love them. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's 100%. The difference between being a good movie and being right. a favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, a fun, a fun or a watchable movie. That's what that's the balance we're always trying to strike, I think here, with the ranking at least. I mean, that's that's definitely how you get Johnny Mnemonic so high on my list is if you give me <laughs> Much Ado About Nothing and Johnny Mnemonic and say, which one do you want to watch this afternoon? Right. I understand. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. So then, so I guess um, this is a question for both of you, too, because this is pretty interesting. Comparatively, right, to those other movies that I just listed, beyond just like a few elements, this movie does not feel like a sci-fi movie. Really, it it actually feels pretty grounded. Like thematically, we're talking about like the war on drugs and like what you like what you said, Eric, mass surveillance and maybe to a degree it's intimated like police brutality, that sort of stuff. So was the original like way more far afield or is this pretty like am I reading this right? This is a little bit less or a little bit more grounded sci fi, I guess. Yeah, no, they, the original story, as I remember, it was not that crazy. Um, you know, it, it could have been, you know, I think the movie opened seven years from now. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that was kind of his idea as well. Now, obviously the technology would have had to advance to a certain point, but it wasn't, his stories sort of ran the gamut between, you know, overarching, especially early in his career, um, more traditional sort of uh, not hard sci-fi, but like space opera type stuff going to different planets, what have you. And then towards the end of his life, (laughs) it got sort of more paranoid and grounded. Um, I, I do think that this is pretty close to, so I don't remember when the book was written sometime in the late seventies, I believe. Um, but the book takes place in 1994. So he was doing a near future sort of thing Got it. Uh, when he wrote it. And I feel like he just hit the nail on the head as far as how things were going to be going, because it doesn't seem that far off now. It doesn't really seem like science fiction now either. Yeah. Um, very prescient. It's like, yeah. holy shit, dude. Like a lot of Philip K. Dick is. There's <laughs> right, a reason yeah. why his his books have been made in a movie so often is because they're very relevant. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Dude was dude crushed it continuously he also wrote a lot um so if you're ever thinking of getting into him there are several published collections of short stories i think there are at least four or five volumes with dozens of stories in each one so um there's a lot to pull from here too nice yeah it might be worth uh you know i see i like the material that i have seen adapted so it you know it might be worth a a, a revisit for me specifically like oh see where it comes from um 
I really, I really enjoyed this as this was my first time through this. I thought the, um, I thought it was visually very, obviously you look at it, you're like, holy shit, this is something very different. Um, I think I probably, I, I lean with Eric here on the rotoscoping. Like I, I, it's obviously like masterfully done. I think it adds to this. It made me, it gave, it conveyed to me, like, I don't know if I trust this guy necessarily, like, talking to me, because all of this weirdness is happening. Um, and, and what the opening scene actually reminded me of is, this, and this puts a date on me for sure. Do y'all remember uh, Dare in school? Mm-hmm. So if they showed me that opening scene with the bugs and like, this is what happens if you do drugs. Like, I would not do drugs. Like that was like, this is <laughs> I hate this. I hate it. Like the sound, uh, like the sound design of that scene. I was like, I hate everything about this. It, it I was like, freaks me out. So uh, well done there. Yeah. Uh, Rory Cochran's drug mouth in this movie, right, like yeah. the sounds that he makes and the ways that he holds it and the things that he does with his mouth are just so uncomfortable and so spot on. It was, I, I there was a moment where I was like, was he really doing that on set or have they enhanced that? <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the like, does anyone's mouth actually wrong? do that? <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I, so like just focus again on the look. Like I love that it was, it felt very tied to what Bob was experiencing. And true, it's true that like you don't really necessarily learn that until later on in the movie. But in like thinking about it in retrospect, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. But now I'm thinking, how neat would it have been if it like gradually turned into rotoscoping over time as it got less and less? I, yeah, I, I don't know, know that... how you do that, but I <laughs> yeah. think that would have been incredible. And I think that would have been more accurate to what I feel like the story's trying to convey. Yeah. yeah. As it's like a descent kind of because, you know, our 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 main thing that's like when they say things are starting to go bad, it's like bu like bugs get involved. You're like, okay, yeah, clearly things are, if, if you're seeing a giant <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. roach then or locust or whatever it was, things are going wrong. Uh, but I really, I like that. I, I It reminded me a little bit of, um, do you remember when like Robert Zemeckis went on his kick and he did like a bunch of like these, the motion capture movies? It was like... Um, the polar terrifying Express. winter train yeah the polar express uh beowulf, beowulf. yeah uh -huh. and i'm like that was that's different from this like this uh lent itself to the story whereas i think robert zemeckis was just like i just kind of want to fuck around with like motion capture for a while and see what that does and it's not like it made those stories any better necessarily uh, and it may have actually made them worse because you're yeah. you're stuck in this uncanny valley the whole time. You're like, that looks wrong. Like it just looks wrong. That's yeah. That's one of the problems with like late period Zemeckis is he gets too interested in the tech and forgets right. he's like telling a story. Yeah, it's like I get it. Like Polar Express, fine. You want to make that movie? Great. And then he, I'm remembering now, he did the other Christmas one. Uh, a Christmas Carol was also him, was it not? I, I believe the Jim Carrey one. Uh, sounds right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, you want to do some Christmas movie? Great. That's awesome. Maybe Beowulf would have been better served as a real movie. I don't know. What do I know? I'm just sitting here podcasting. Uh, <laughs> and he made Back to the Future, goddammit. Right. He gets a pass. I'm like, I can't. It was like, all right, I guess you made Back to the Future. 
Uh, and Roger Rabbit, so. Yeah. He's, you know, he's he's got his name stamped on some of the best and some of the not so best. But that's the problem is, like, he did, he made some amazing things with technology, and that's where his head went. <laughs> right, I guess you gotta know, like, how far to take it, how far to pursue it. Like, that's, mm-hmm. what, I, that's what I feel about current James uh, Cameron with these Avatar sequels. I'm like, I don't know if we'll ever actually get them. It's weird that there's four or five more promised or something like that. It, it, it's just, just make don't the Don't get me started on Avatar. Don't, don't talk to me until it's done. I don't want to hear about it until it's done. Show me a trailer. <laughs> but, so... <laughs> God damn that'll it, be a, that'll be that'll be our after dark. We could do an after dark just about James Cameron. Uh, I really liked Keanu in this. I think he was great. This was very clearly like uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s movie, in my opinion. Like his performance mm-hmm. was just like some real next level shit for me. I was like, I love this guy. Don't understand half the shit he's saying because he's talking so very fast, but <laughs> <laughs> it's really really good. Uh, yeah, and it was nice to see. Uh, Keanu and Winona back together for what is what their second reunion out of three total, maybe. So again, patterns emerge in his career. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the only switch I think I would have made cast wise is I could have used more of Rory Cochran instead of uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's fine. And, I love Woody Harrelson, but um, that, but he it does just, bring a certain Woody Harrelsonness. He does for sure. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily benefit the story. Yeah, yeah. What do we I call mean, it he, a Harrelsonacity. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever the word is. Yeah. There's a certain element of Woody Harrelson that I don't know the movie needed. Yeah, for sure. Fun, fun. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good. Do we have any other? We have any other thoughts? Or are we going to get into I to think something? It's time. Oh. oh my gosh! I don't I'm know how so this excited. is. I don't know how this is going to go. To be I have honest. no idea how this is going to go. Listening this is audience, very different. Guys, I Listen. might pee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mostly because I had a tea before we started, but right. I'm also very excited. It doesn't start until I play the theme song officially, but if you're listening and we're ignoring you on Periscope, which is 100% the case, but if you're listening, I think we're going to experience something pretty special right now. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get into it. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! She's got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Season three of Pop Quiz Asshole. Oh my goodness, it's our very own Quizzo show. You probably know that, uh, but we're we're bringing a little bit of a twist to season three. We're we're twist. shuffling shuffling the deck. Shuffle. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I like I was just that. adding some color. I like that. I like to have a hype man. Here we go. <laughs> First. First, let's just get this out of the way, okay? God, God, <laughs> God damn it. We want to acknowledge Whitney's, she's, she's done it, okay? She's won pop quiz. There is no catching up to Whitney at this point. I did the math. I did the math. We could not do it. Even if Whitney basically threw the game, the points that 
Evan and I were accumulating were never going to match hers. So we're what we're going to do is Whitney is the winner. So you flipped over the board. <laughs> right. Tableflip.gif. Exactly. Uh, we have declared Whitney the winner of seasons one and two by a margin of almost double the points of Evan and I. So Whitney, congratulations. Thank Very you. well done. Very well well done. done. Thank you. Yes. Moving forward, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We were, I was brainstorming this. I was bouncing some ideas off people. I think we, I think we nailed it. Whitney? I think we nailed it. I really, really think we nailed it. I think it's going to be great. So the first thing is we wipe <laughs> the slate clean. So, wit, uh, you know, I've ordered the trophy. You'll be receiving that pretty soon. It'll it'll be fine. No Patreon rewards, but the trophy for you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so everyone goes back to zero. Next, points are not cumulative, okay? They only determine who wins the episode, right? So this keeps it fair for, like, Eric. Right. Who he's, he comes in and he guests on a couple episodes. There is no way he's going to catch up to anybody. Same with Asia. So now you just win the episode. Right. Gives you a chance to start a streak of your own. Mm-hmm. Sweet. The biggest change to pop quiz is what I'm about to say. <laughs> the host. And that's the person who goes into the deep dive. No longer asks the questions. Okay. In fact, the host gets to participate because this time around, we've brought in the big guns. His knowledge of Keanu Reeves is so singular that we could not pass up this opportunity. And I'd like to introduce Charles Nolan. Here we go. Thank you. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, we... I don't understand why everyone is laughing. <laughs> so. Uh, um, the What are the rules? Okay. So the. <laughs> The rules uh, for pop quiz are as such. Uh, Charles will be asking each of the participants three questions each. Uh, If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal. Uh, And then there could be uh, bonus questions at the end worth a point value of Charles's choosing if 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 the movie has good trivia. So Charles, how was the trivia for A Scanner Darkly? Let me tell you, it was fascinating, exciting, and interesting. (laughs) Fun. (laughs) So, uh, I think what I'll do is, uh, I think what I'm going to do is, uh, who who goes first? Do we want do we want Eric to have the honor? It doesn't super matter, I guess. Everyone's Eric starting. Eric will be zoo. going first. <laughs> okay. All right. So All right. Eric's up to bat first. So, so what I'll Charles do is, is a real take charge guy. <laughs> I'll, I'll start the music, Charles, and then you just go for it. All right. All right, Eric. Which actor in this movie wrote their lines down on post-it notes and scattered them around to the around the set? And they just were animated over during the rotoscoping animation. (laughs) Was it A, our boy, Keanu Reeves? Was it B, 
Robert Downey Jr. Or was it C, Woody Harrelson? All right, well, Keanu's a consummate professional, so I don't think it was him. (laughs) And Woody Harrelson pretty much played Woody Harrelson, so I think he could handle that. Robert Downey Jr. had a lot of lines, so Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to go with Robert Downey Jr. That is accurate. Right. Yeah, he said so many words. I think he said more words in that movie than I've said in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. All right. Uh, maybe. But I mean, I mean, be honest. I, I don't want to reveal anything about myself, but you've been at a party where pharmaceuticals were available and you've met that guy before. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. I'm 90% sure I've been that guy more okay. than once. So you're revealing stuff. I've also stuff. been accused of being that guy. <laughs> that does not Charles. surprise me at all, Charles. Unbelievable. Those Hollywood parties you go to. Who vetted, who vetted Charles? Isn't it your show? I vetted myself. <laughs> no. All right. All fair. right. Who's next? Next up. It's Whitney. <laughs> Whitney. This movie is the highest grossing rotoscope movie ever made at $7.7 million gross. How much did this movie net? Was it $2 million? Oh man. $5 million? Or was it negative $1 million? Uh, I'm going to guess negative one million dollars. That is accurate. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> yeah, it's rotoscoping is not cheap. And then also it's a huge cast. Like the salaries alone are more than seven million dollars. Yes, this was the most expensive rotoscoped movie ever made at eight point seven million dollars. <laughs> That's fascinating. I had no idea. I, I think Keanu and Winona worked for, like, scale, but the rotoscoping did not go well when they first started doing it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the process was like. I mean, it's... I, I don't know. Maybe that's... Rotoscoping maybe. is a process in which, <laughs> you know what? We don't have time. No, Charles, no! Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Perfect. All right, I'm, uh, I'm ready. All right. When we see Charles Freck go to buy wine, one of the wines pictured is a reference to another Philip K. Dick novel. Oh, man. Which wine is it? (laughs) Is it Azalea Springs, St. Ubik, or Dades? None of that rings a bell. Let me Uh, steal, let me steal, let me steal. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, I'm going to uh, go with B on that one. Whatever B was. The middle one. St. Ubik was That's, B. Yeah. And that is accurate. Oh! <laughs> yes! Nicely done. I don't know. What is that? Uh, a book? As a short story? Something that he wrote? Uh, yeah. U- Ubik is one of his more popular novels. Okay. Or one of his more famous novels. All right. Oof. Oof. All right. Going back to the top with Eric. 
when Barris and Freck are at the diner. And the waitress begins listing pies. What are the types of pies mentioned? <laughs> are they A, cherry and apple, B, rhubarb and peach, or C, strawberry and peach? Hmm. Well, I know it's not B because Freck makes a comment about fruit pies. I'm going to have to guess here and say A. That is incorrect. Uh. Steal, 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 steal. Whitney, you have a chance to steal. Strawberry and peach. Strawberry and peach is correct. Did it. Oh, boy. It's already right. off to a strong start for Whitney. I don't know. With I the don't steal. Know. And now an opportunity to build on that lead. <laughs> Whitney. Mm-hmm. Which actor or actress became interested in starring in this film after hearing that our boy Keanu was cast in it? Was it A, Rory Cochran, B, Winona Ryder, or C, Robert Downey Jr.? I'm gonna guess Winona Ryder. That is incorrect. Oh! Steal. Andrew, you've got a chance to steal. <laughs> I'm just, uh, just, let's go with uh, Rory. Rory on this one. <laughs> that is incorrect. God damn it. Steal, steal. <laughs> Eric, you've got a chance to steal. Who's left? Oh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is correct. Unbelievable. See, now the stealing is just a process of elimination. It is, yeah. At some point. And you you got to pay attention. It's definitely going to come around to you at some point if everyone else gets it wrong. So you have to know what's left. That is correct. I will not repeat the choice. <laughs> oh, whoa. New rule. Whoa. Coming in Harsh. hot. Harsh. That's right. Oh, okay. Is everyone ready to continue the game? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Great. Andrew, <laughs> it is your opportunity to get a question right. Hmm. This was the first movie where we see Robert Downey Jr. making and testing a homemade silencer that doesn't work. What is the other movie? Whoa. Is it A, Iron Man, B, Sherlock Holmes, or C, Tropic Thunder? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. That is such a deep cut, and I can't remember. So here's the deal. I've seen Tropic Thunder a bunch of times, and I've seen Iron Man a bunch of times. So it has to be Sherlock Holmes. That is correct. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love it. I i don't know if I've actually ever... No, I've seen Sherlock Holmes once. Okay. It was fine. Was it? <laughs> Moving back up to the <laughs> top of the order. Eric. Barris buys a bike for $50 and busts into the house to announce it, shouting the word total or totally a bunch of times. <laughs> How many times in total does he say it? Is it A, seven, B, nine, or C, six? Uh, hmm. He talks so fast that I'm gonna say he says it nine times. 
That is incorrect. Son of a bitch. Deal. Whitney, you've got a chance to steal. Seven times. It is seven times. <laughs> that is a lot of times still. It is a lot of times. <laughs> oh, my. All right. All right, Whitney. Yes. When Freck's sins are being read to him, how long does the being from between mentions take to get to the sixth grade? <laughs> a thousand years? Oh, I'm supposed to wait for the answer. Multiple choice. Go ahead. In the future, please do not interrupt <laughs> Charles Nolan. <laughs> Is it A, 100,000 hours, B, 1,000 years, or C, 500 centuries. B, 1,000 years, final answer. That is correct. <laughs> Nailed it. Wow. Good memory. Good Lord. Yeah. But you, you can't interrupt Charles. You gotta, no, you no, gotta, no, I can't. There's Charles a process. Charles far too seriously. There's a process. There is a process. Please respect the process. <laughs> Trust it even. Trust it. Trust yeah. the process. The final question of regulation <laughs> goes to Andrew. I'm ready. Barris's watch has the name Scott Bale at the bottom of it. According to the top of the watch, what is the brand? Ooh. Is it A, Philip, B, Sheep, or C, Vallis? Uh, I'm gonna go with sheep. That is incorrect. Stale, stale, stale. <laughs> Eric, you've got a chance to steal. And this is just a wild guess, but I'm gonna go with Vallis. That is incorrect. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Whitney, God you've got it. a chance to steal. Philip. That is correct. Woo, I almost did not remember the first option there, and I almost was hoisted on my own petard. We but remember. I pulled it out. <laughs> we remember Charles' rules. Yeah. Iron fist. For Woo. a quick update at the end of regulation, Andrew and Eric are tied at two, and Whitney has five. That feels right. Yep. <laughs> there are three. Bonus questions. Oh my. Okay. What are all that? Uh, no. uh, Charles, okay. what are the parameters for the uh, the bonus questions? First the bonus questions will be buzz in questions. Okay. I will read the question. Whoever buzzes in first will then get the choices and then make their answer. Are we accepting verbal buzz-ins? Because we don't have a buzz-in uh, set up previously put Verbal buzz-ins will work. <laughs> okay. Excellent. <clears throat> okay, but I'm taking the buzz of uh, Ruby Rod from the Fifth Element. Is that okay, a higher-pitched... Wonderful. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to hear everybody's buzz-in so that I can recognize and identify it. Let's start with Eric. <laughs> Whitney. Uh, I don't know. 
I guess I'll just say me. And That's Andrew. All. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> I'll go. Uh, Great. Let's hear all three at the same time so I can identify. <laughs> One, two, three. Buzz. <laughs> Fantastic. Yep. There's no way this can go I wrong. I think my computer just Bonus exploded. question number one. Arcter's house number and the lodge number are 709. Oh, damn it. I believe that was... <laughs> that was Whitney, I believe I that was Andrew who buzzed in. Your choices are... <laughs> the Aquabats, Uranium Savages, oh, or yeah. Gamma Ray... Fuck me. Um, Talk about hoisted on your own petard. Yeah, the uh, it's got to be the Aquabats, right? That is incorrect. God damn it. I guess I will now read the rest of the question. <laughs> Arctur's house number and the lodge number are 709. This is a reference to what Austin-based satirical rock group? Uh, me? You... Whitney. Uh, C? <laughs> Which was? <laughs> Fair. Uh, that is incorrect. <laughs> Eric, if you can remember <laughs> what option B was, you will get the bonus point. Uh, I'm going to have to take the zero on this one. <laughs> the correct ruined it all. was Uranium Savages. <laughs> I apologize, everybody. That's a stupid name. It's <laughs> fun. Bonus question I'm number two. Sweaty. <laughs> the consultant doing identification checks on Donna and Arctur has the script for which other movie based on a Philip K. Dick story? <laughs> I think that was Andrew. It was me, yeah, sorry. Andrew. Is it A, Minority Report, B, Total Recall, or C, Blade Runner? I really want it to be Total Recall. That is incorrect. God damn it. Me. Whitney. <laughs> Minority Report? That is incorrect. Okay. <laughs> Eric. Blade Runner. That is correct. Nailed it. Nailed oh, it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Second place. <laughs> the uh. final question <sighs> is worth three points. Oh, oh snap. Game turn changer. the tide. The not-too-distant future that this movie was set in is what year? Me! Whitney. Is it 2013, 2016, or 2020? 2013. That is correct! Yes! Nailed it! Thank God points aren't cumulative anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. 
Congratulations, everyone. You have completed Pop Quiz Asshole. The final scores for this episode's match. Andrew, you had two points. Perfect. Eric, you had three points. Whitney, you got eight points. (laughs) And are this episode's winner. That tracks. Please take your victory lap now. (laughs) Oh, we've never had victory laps before. I'll have to think of what my walk will be. We'll uh, we'll cue up a song next time. I didn't know. Charles didn't explain any of this. No, we didn't know. I'll have something appropriate. If I had explained it, it would not have been a pop quiz. (laughs) (laughs) True. Fair. That's fair. That's a fair point. All right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Charles, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for letting me do this. This has been something so hard. Something very different. This much in a pop quiz asshole. Right. The stakes have never been higher. They've never been higher, and no one has ever ruled with such an iron fist before. When you get Charles Nolan, you get the best. (laughs) (laughs) And he comes with a slogan. It's great. Well, thanks, Charles. Have have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. Please enjoy the rest of your podcast. (laughs) Charles Nolan, everybody. Let's give him a round of applause. Oh, my goodness. All right. So that was different. That was. (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) Whitney. Charles is a tough act to follow. I, you know, I don't, I don't envy you, but you know, if you want to walk us through the film, let's do this thing. Um, for the most part, I just went with Wikipedia because their overview was more succinct than anything I wrote down while I was trying to write down what happened in this movie. It's a lot. Part of it is it doesn't go necessarily chronological. Yeah. It doesn't go not chronological, but it also doesn't go chronological. So, um, I just went with Wikipedia because mine, when I was reading it back, was not, it didn't make any sense. And I was like, I can't subject people to this. So, uh, the movie is as follows. Um, We already talked about starting with a guy seeing bugs everywhere on his skin, in his hair, showering, covering himself in bug spray, taking his dog back into the shower. It's a lot. Them both bug free, crawling around on the floor to pick bugs up to put them into jars, et cetera, et cetera. But. What it comes down to is the United States has lost the war on drugs. Substance D, a powerful drug that causes bizarre hallucinations, has swept the country. Approximately 20% of the total population is considered an addict. In response, the government has developed an invasive, high-tech surveillance system and a network of undercover officers and informants to try to combat the problem. Bob Arctor is one of these undercover agents, played by Keanu Reeves, and he is assigned to immerse himself in the drugs underworld and infiltrate up the supply chain. Arctor has a vision of being in his house with a wife and two children in Anaheim, California. I found it very interesting that this whole thing was in Orange County because that's where I lived before I moved out east. Um, And so... He has a vision of being in his house with a wife and two children. Today, he has two drug-addicted layabout housemates, Luckman and Barris. And the three of them spend time taking D and having complex, possibly paranoid examinations of their experience. 
Um, which is uh, the examinations of their experiences is really the the Richard Linkletterness of it all. <laughs> That's all Richard Linkletter wants to do is sit around and have examinations of experiences. So at the police station, Arctor maintains privacy by wearing a scramble suit that constantly changes every aspect of his appearance and voice. He is known only by the code name Fred. And Arctor's senior officer, who is known as Hank, and all the other undercover officers also wear scramble suits, so no one knows who anyone else's real identity is, even mm. within the department. Um, even his boss, Fred, doesn't know who he is. Since going undercover, Arctor himself has become addicted to Substance D, and he buys from Donna, played by Winona Ryder, who Arctor hopes to purchase large enough quantities of D from so that she is forced to introduce him to her own supplier. They have a tense, at times caring, romantic relationship, but she rebuffs his physical advances, which is an interesting way to put it. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> at work, Hank orders Fred, who is Keanu Reeves, to increase surveillance on Arctor, who is Keanu Reeves, mm. and his associates. Arctor's house is now the center of his own investigation, since this is where Donna and the other addicts spend their time. Arctor is inexpertly negotiating a double life, and his prolonged use of D is damaging his brain. Barris is informing on Arctor to Hank, who's Keanu Reeves' boss, mm -hmm. arguing that Arctor is a terrorist and angling to be hired as a cop himself. However, Barris unknowingly conveys this information in the presence of Arctor himself, who is in the scramble suit, so his identity is hidden. Hank reveals to... Fred, again, Keanu Reeves, just because there's a lot of names here. <laughs> uh -huh. Keanu Reeves' boss reveals to Keanu Reeves that he has long known that he is Arctor. Arctor seems legitimately surprised and repeats his own name in a disoriented, unfamiliar tone. Hank informs him that the real purpose of the surveillance was to catch Barris and that the police were deliberately increasing Barris's paranoia until he attempted to cover his tracks. Hank reprimands Arctor for becoming addicted to Substance D and warns him that he will be disciplined. Mm. Hank explains how seriously brain damaged Arctor has become from D, and Hank phones Donna, Winona Ryder, asking her to come pick up Arctor and take him, take him to New Path, which is a corporation that runs a series of rehabilitation clinics. Hank immediately leaves and in private rooms removes his scramble suit, revealing that he is Donna. That he's been Winona Ryder all along. Gasp. <laughs> At the New Path Clinic, Arctor and other D addicts so show pretty serious cognitive deficiencies. Donna, Winona Ryder, meets with a fellow police officer and they discuss how New Path is secretly responsible for the manufacture and distribution of substance D. Donna expresses her growing ethical aversion to their police work in which they deliberately recruited Arctor without his knowledge to become addicted to D, his health sacrificed so that he might eventually enter a new path rehabilitation center unnoticed as a genuine addict and potentially claim, collect incriminating evidence of new paths D farms. Hmm. Donna and Mike d debate whether Arctor's mind will now recover enough to grasp the, the situation. Is he too far gone? New Path sends Arctor to a labor camp at an isolated farm where he mindlessly repeats what others tell him. And he's working the fields. He suddenly sees blue flowers between the crops. And uh, 
one of the new one of the management folks from New Path looks at him and says that he can't see the flowers, but they are still there, and then mm. tells him to go back to work. Arctur continues to see the flowers, however, and he takes one and he hides it in his boot. And he says, I saw death rising from the earth, from the ground itself, in one blue field, a present for my friends at Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving was mentioned at a time where he could go back to the, like, group therapy clinics rather than being a field laborer at Thanksgiving. Theoretically, this means that his brain cells are active enough to collect the evidence. But it's left with a question of, does he have enough mental capacity to keep the evidence and deliver it to an agent? Question mark? Do <laughs> we just see him tuck it into his boot and then that's then the end of the walk movie. through the field. Very, very vast fields of illegal substance. So um, the Wikipedia. Very succinct. Is very succinct. It leads, leaves a lot out. But also, since most of it is paranoid drug rambling, like, yes. once you actually get down to what the plot is, that is all there is to the plot. Um, <laughs> most of it is, you know, rambling about who's after them and why and why they might be after them and how they're trying to catch them and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like yeah. every Richard Linklater movie. I mean, literally, what is before sunrise? <laughs> <laughs> two people decide to go on a date before they part ways this is an attack i mean that's not that's what happens in the movie. <laughs> two strangers randomly meet and they're like let's go on a really great date before we go our separate ways in, right. the, in the universe see you in 20 years i mean it is kind of an attack on my side i it's just not <laughs> it's right. just not for me yeah I mean, Linklater got his start with Slacker, which is even more so. It's just a series of vignettes of people just walking around Austin, Texas. Um, mm. uh, was, I think his most recent film is Boyhood. I don't think he's made anything since then. No, it took 20 years to make or something. And, well, yeah, and he takes that to like his logical extreme, which is to you know, film this years. child for 20 years. <laughs> Let's hope that he doesn't become an asshole. You know, I don't know. <laughs> like, what are, what are we going to do? I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. It's actually a pretty, it was a shorter movie than I thought it was going to be. You know, I, I don't know. What, I mean, maybe that, that was the link later thing in me, but this is like 90 minutes. It's like a little over 90, maybe something like that. Uh, it, it, it went by. It blew by. I was like, whoa, we're, we're at the end here. Pretty good. I mean, it's definitely very engaging. I feel like the music and the visuals and the very good cast all lead itself to absorb you into it. But the question of like what you walk away from it with, I don't feel is as impactful as it could have been. Um, but I also don't think it was a poor adaptation. I think as far as adaptations go, it's a pretty good one. So I, I'm I'm right on the fence with this one. Like I I don't love it. I don't hate it. Uh, I think overall it was pretty good, so I'm trending towards the more positive side of things. But I also think that it, it, you know, there's always a potential for adaptations to be done better, and I think this is one of them. Well, and to your point, they they end the the film with the same epilogue that Philip K. Dick had in his book, where he dedicates mm -hmm. it to people that he knew who who have died, 
or died or had, had problems some, from drug yeah. use. And I don't think the film really earns that. No, um, I, don't. I don't, I don't think the movie is about that. Um, so, and honestly, I can't remember how deep into the book it gets. Um, but, um, it's certainly a, a fun watch. Um, everyone is, is, um, is all of their performances are great. Um, I think it was interesting throughout his career. Keanu kind of gets accused of just sleepwalking through roles and this role just kind of really <laughs> leans into that. <laughs> um, you know, it is, it is designed for this guy to kind of be a zombie. So I, and I'm saying that I know I'm on the Keanu Reeves podcast. I'm not saying <laughs> I agree with that assessment of his acting style. Um, but certainly for a long time, he was sort of, you know, considered wooden and, and you know, monosyllabic and, and very stiff. Um, so I think uh, this particular character um, plays well or plays to that um, interpretation. But again, I also think that this is one of Keanu Reeves' strengths, and we've talked about it over and over again, is seeing the internal monologue in Keanu Reeves while he's sort of deadpan and not really reacting to what's around him. You can see what's going on in his face and like see yeah. the things that he's thinking. And I definitely think you can in this, even with the rotoscoping taking away some level of like connection with the characters directly. I still think you can see him being confused and him trying to work stuff out, but being unable to, because his brain is just not making those connections. I think you can see that internal s story going on with Keanu in this. I definitely agree. I actually, um, there are sort of three movie stars. I'm not talking about actors, but I'm talking about movie stars um, that I think are underrated. And one of them is Keanu. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's a little bit of what the material is, but also sort of who they're working with. Mm -hmm. And then the other two are Bruce Willis um, and weirdly Mark Wahlberg. Mm -hmm. I, okay. I I think when they find material in a director, um, they do some some really remarkable work. But they have similar filmographies to Keanu, where there's like really high highs and then just garbage movies you didn't even know got made. <laughs> um. So I I think it's interesting, sort of in terms of of how he plays with that idea. Um, you know, sort of going back to the, the Matrix um, last season, I think they did a similar thing where he was kind of the blank everyman. And, you know, who would you cast for that? It's the guy that everyone always thinks is kind of the blank everyman. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. I thought it worked well in this movie. Uh, I am certainly not implying that Keanu is a bad actor. <laughs> No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have you on if you thought that was the case. So, <laughs> be like, yeah, no, no we would definitely not have you on as a guest <laughs> host if that were the case. Yeah, I um, I, I agree with both. I I think Whitney, what you were actually saying, those scenes where he's in the scramble suit and it's just like the close up, like him basically looking directly at the camera. Those mm -hmm. had some really interesting facial expressions and head tilts, and I'm like, oh, that's very much Keanu. I got it. Like I understand what he's feeling there even one layer removed from, you know, through animation. All right. So I think we already, we already 
kind of touched on this. Yes, no. Do you ultimately recommend someone watch this film? Um, I think yes. I think I do ultimately recommend someone watch it because the stylized nature of it is so interesting. And, and the, like, I like the rotoscoping. The cast is incredible. Everyone really brings something to it, even though I have my, like, overall sort of storytelling like little nitpicks. Yeah. I think overall I do suggest this. All right, Eric. Yeah, I agree. Um, I had, this wasn't, uh, I had seen it shortly after it came out. I don't think I went to the theater for this one. I think it was a rental for me. Um, but, uh, I remember enjoying it then. Um, but it's not uh, substantial enough that, um, you know, it sticks with you. Um, but it's definitely like a fun watch. Like Whitney said, it's engaging. Um, the cast is incredible. Um, so it's it's definitely a recommend from me. Yep, that's going to be a recommend from all three of us then. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed my time with this. It's cool to see. I mean, we've been following Keanu chronologically, so this is just steps along the way. But it's interesting to go back a little bit to see uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Woody Harrelson back around mm-hmm. this time period, what they were doing, especially because he's just basically Robert Downey Jr. He's just basically Iron Man. He's been Iron Man, and occasionally he's in a in Chef or whatever. So you know, um, he'll always be the kid haunted by five ghosts from a bus crash to me. But <laughs> that was the first thing I ever saw him in was Heart Wait. and Souls. I've never seen that. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, wow. a bus crashes and five people die in the bus crash. And for some reason, they all attach themselves to this little kid. And they're like his invisible uh, friends growing up. Everyone just thinks that he's like seeing people. And eventually they're like, "These, this has to stop now. And so they the, the ghosts leave him. Uh, and then they come back when he's 20 something to like fix his life because he's like a high powered finance guy or something in New York or whatever. And uh, so they're like, we got to get him on the right path and find him a nice girl or whatever. So these ghosts start meddling in his life by showing back up again. Wow. It's what? it's a it's a very interesting movie. I love it. But I don't know if that's just because when I first saw it, I was a kid and like ghosts haunting Robert Downey Jr. really appealed to me or like... <laughs> I don't know if it's a good movie. I haven't seen it in 20 plus years, but I loved that movie. I'm just writing it down for the next podcast. We can do an RDJ rewatch. Here we go. All right. No. Add it to the list. Uh, Speaking of lists, where are you ranking this one? Uh, So I have it at 15. Between Chain Reaction and Dracula. I actually feel pretty similarly to about A Scanner Darkly that I do to Dracula, which is there's a lot of merits from like a filmmaker making the movie they wanted to make perspective, but I don't think it's high in rewatchability for me. Um, I saw Scanner Darkly like right when it first came out and I haven't seen it since and having seen it now, there's a good chance I'll never see it again. And I'm a rewatcher as a general rule, but I don't think that this one really, I don't think that you get much out of a rewatch from this. You would think that you'd get a lot because everyone talks so fast and there's so much going on, but I feel like the more that you look at it, the actually less impactful it becomes. So 
I don't think it's a bad movie, but I do think that it's pretty low on my list just because in the question of would I watch this or this again, it keeps getting bumped down the list because I don't think it's a rewatchable movie. All right. That makes total sense. Eric, I'm uh, I'm curious where you're going to put this thing. So, I mean, I only have 16, as I previously mentioned. So That's fine. Yeah, yeah. This actually falls right around 13 for me. Um, hmm. It's between Bogus Journey, which I liked way more than you guys did. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's so it was so disappointing. Mostly just for Station. Station! Uh, <laughs> and it's above Matrix Revolutions, Chain mm, Reaction, and Dracula. <laughs> definitely, definitely above those three. It could, yeah. I mean, it could go back and forth whether it's above Bogus Journey, but... If I go to rewatchable factor, I'm going to watch Bogus Journey before I watch A Scanner Darkly. I just wish that I hadn't gotten my hopes so built up by Excellent Adventure because it's just a really good movie and I wasn't expecting that. Like, I was expecting fun, but I wasn't expecting good. Um, But, like, the storytelling is tight. The friendship is amazing. It's something that you don't see much of. And I just, like, I was so hype about Excellent Adventure that I was expecting more going into Bogus Journey. And then I was like, oh, this is so, this is like, dude, where's my car? (laughs) Only (laughs) not. But, like, it Uh is. Well, hopefully face the music. sad. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be good. Oh, my gosh. What did I just watch? I just watched something and it the girl was so good in it. And then I realized that it was one of the girls cast as the daughter. You <sighs> probably watched Ready or Not. Oh, yes. yes. Was it Ready yes. or Not? Tomorrow Weaving, yes. yeah. Because, yes. yes. Whoa, what a friggin' movie. Wasn't yes. expecting it at all. So fun. So good. And she does so good in it. And she just, I mean, like, that's a fun movie overall. If, if like thriller type mystery stuff is your, is your bag. But um, she just carries everything with every facial expression and every movement and whatever. And I was like, she is so good. What else has she been in? And then I looked (laughs) her up on IMDb and I was like, she's going to be in Bill and Ted. (laughs) Very exciting. Very Mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. Strong cabin in the woods vibes from that. Uh, not that as film. funny, but very no, good. not no, just yeah, just on like a pure. Yeah, take a little bit of a left turn here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically your next as a comedy, so <laughs> right. Yes. And that I I think it was needed because I didn't like your next a lot. I loved Ready well. or Not. So, and I'm really the only difference between them because also Your Next had a very, very strong female lead who carried everything on like every little movement of her eyes and mm. her breath and whatever. Um, I, I thought it was good, but I didn't love it. Ready or not, I was like, I am all in on this one because it's the same thing plus funny. Yeah. Works on a, works on a number of levels. Very anyway, it made me even more excited for Face the Music because <laughs> I really, really liked her. Andrew, as if we needed more reason. <laughs> Andrew, where does this fall on your ranking? Uh, I'm going to put it at number 16 for me, which falls uh, between Johnny Mnemonic and A Walk in the Clouds. Uh, turns out I, I like that dolphin more than I thought I did, <laughs> um, <laughs> at least compared to, you know, comparatively. Again, not to say that I didn't enjoy this movie. I'm just, we're going through our rewatchable thing. I had not seen this to this point. I don't envision myself revisiting it at any point in the very near future. So 
uh, yeah, it kind of falls like right in that right in that area for me. That's it. That's the end of the show. We did it. Next week, though. <laughs> it's finally happening. <laughs> I know Whitney's super excited. And as serendipity would have it, she doesn't have to walk us through it. It falls on my shoulders. We're, we're going to be talking about the lake house. Oh, my God. The weirdest kiss in mu- movie house. history. I've, <laughs> I've never I seen it. I haven't seen I've, it. Right. I've tried to actively avoid it for many, many years. Yeah. It has now caught up with me. Because the one thing you can't escape is time, apparently. <laughs> um, right. Or something it to comes, that effect. I don't know. Comes for They're us all. Same space, different times. Uh, whatever. They, they, anyway. Right. They called out the kiss in uh, How Did This Get Made podcast. And it was like... Uh, finding your tribe i thought i was the only one that thought that kiss was weird and apparently i'm not so i'm curious to see what you think about it yeah Yeah. i'm curious to see what i think about it too because i have actively tried not to see that movie for a very long time and (laughs) it's the it's a it's a reunion though we had so many of those it's it's sandy again Mm -hmm. right Mm mm-hmm and uh, we are just coming off the Oscars where we saw Keanu and Diane together again. So it's all mm-hmm. this. Everything's coming back. It's great. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Time's Not a rem- flat circle. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> some, that's some dark stuff. Yeah, jeez. Um, yeah, cautiously optimistic. I have not been uh, traditionally uh, uh, like a rom-com person. And it, Keanu is beginning to change my mind on on that. Which is so weird to say that Keanu is the one. That's the impetus for that. uh, That's so backwards. That's so the wrong way to go about it. It's really Uh, weird. But also, if you want some suggestions of really good rom-coms, let me know. Because I will definitely hand you some recommendations. I mean, I I think I'll take it. It's something something worth exploring. So Mm -hmm. that'll be good. I believe, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I believe... Listener favorite Asia Romano will be joining us for the Lake House episode, which is very, very exciting. We hear you loud and clear that she's a fun part of the show. So, Asia's a powerhouse. Right, right. Yeah, prayer hands that that happens. But I think it's pretty much a lock. So we we mm. will see about that. <laughs> but you never know. We all might die in an earthquake. That was the most <laughs> hedging I've ever heard. That was amazing. <laughs> Right, I try. We got. We just got to walk this very. It's a razor thin uh-huh, line, you uh-huh. know. It's, it's podcasting. That's what it is. That's what it be. So uh, we'll be back next week to talk Lake House. But the, until then, Whitney, where are you on the internet? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson N E L S E N on Twitter, and through that you can find my other podcasts. Um, Almost both in silence is where I talk about video games. Historical Hotties is my baby and also where you might also know Eric from. Uh, He's been on multiple times and we are talking about, I think the most recent episode when this comes out will be Martyrs. We are talking about the hottest martyrs. Sexy martyrs. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The most smoking bangable martyrs in history. If you're interested in that as a subject matter, uh, Historical Hotties has it for you. So come on by. Um, I'm halfway through uh, Gender Pioneers. And listeners, if you've ever wanted to hear Lindsay 
pronounce perhaps the longest name that I've ever heard in the history of my life. That would that's, be the episode. The episode. Yeah. I won't spoil because I actually can't even remember all the names, but it's mm-hmm. it's there. That's the one, I think. So mm-hmm. fun times. Eric, where are you at on the Internet? This is all new. Take your time. <laughs> do it big. <laughs> well, I would do it big if I actually had anything to to plug. But uh, I'm pretty much everywhere on the Internet at Platypus Jones. Yeah, like like the animal uh, and like Indiana Jones. Um, so that covers Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, although nobody uses Tumblr anymore once they took all the porn away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm available uh, in any of those places. Um, you can occasionally hear me on Whitney's podcast, Historical Hotties. I think I was season one champion on my hottie. Uh, And as Andrew mentioned in the intro, uh, I'm also occasionally on a podcast called What Did We Just Watch, Um, where we go through some really weird and bizarre movies, Um, just to give you an idea of the kind of movie we cover. uh, We did the Dan Aykroyd vehicle, Nothing But Trouble which is one of the worst movies ever made, um, but a lot of fun to talk about. So yeah, that's where you can find me. You know, up top when we did our, you know, movies, uh, you know, when we were trying to pick here, you just seem to have a certain affinity for the Fast and the Furious franchise. And I'm wondering, (laughs) I'm wondering if you've ever like spoken at length about that. So, yes, Andrew is very badly <laughs> digging, calling me out. Digging directly into <laughs> Eric's baggage. Andrew is calling me out because Whitney and I pretty have a podcast uh-huh. about the Fast and the Furious <laughs> that I need to edit. Uh, <laughs> so, that will happen. And... We were we were discussing perhaps I would have it ready for Hobbs and Shaw, but I did not I did not make that deadline. <laughs> but now but we do have F9 now that we out. have a release date for F nine and a trailer and and Justice is coming. Hashtag Justice is coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Where we ask the question, but what if family was a bad exactly? Thing? Oh. Oh no! Um, mm-hmm. I I am uh, making a tentative promise to get back on that <laughs> <laughs> and get that podcast released. It, it will eventually be called "Extremely Fast and Incredibly Furious." All right. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think are... I'm. I think I followed the account on Twitter. Yeah, I think at Fast Furious Pod. Yeah, I definitely yeah. follow that. Yeah. It'll. It'll. It, you know, bated breath over here. That's all I'm saying. I'm super excited to see you know. what dated references we made. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what we talk about going on in the yeah. world a now year ago. Now that the ago. podcast was recorded right. almost a year ago. That's fine. It's it, Editing is the hardest part, really. It's like just like t- getting in and talking and having fun. That's awesome. This part is awesome. And then mm-hmm. you're like, now we got to make sense of this and sync it up and, you know, Probably, I don't know if you're inserting audio from the movies and all that. I, it's a lot. I understand. 
but you know, uh-huh. also, come on. But also, it's tough. How much did she pay you, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> this does seem suspiciously like. I was really hat. hoping she'd hey. just completely forgotten that we ever did it. Well, I did stop talking about it on podcasts because I was like, mm, I don't want to promise anything I can't deliver. Well, on. She did drink a lot of Corona while we were taping that podcast, so. Oh, see, well, there, see, this adds a new wrinkle, a new and interesting wrinkle to it. See, I just have the fake big data machine that I pull all my little facts from here. So that's why I was like, Fast Furious Pod, I have two of the people on this show. So let's make this happen. Oh, what a show. <laughs> I'm Andrew at Dark Driving, Twitter, Instagram. Those places are really fun. Twitch.tv slash Dark Driving. And uh, you can follow my video editing tutorial teaching thing over on YouTube at the primary storyline. That's it. But I also want to uh, just put another special thank you and shout out to Charles, who did more than I could have ever hoped for in his role on the show today. So a lot of people, a lot of... A lot of folks reached out when we were planning season three and offered uh, their time and their Very, uh, commentary. Services. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. We we will be reaching out uh, for various things. So uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank but it's you. very fun that Charles is involved and now everyone hosting and involved in the episode can play in the game. Right. It, it adds a new layer. That layer is still... Whitney wins by double the points, but it's a new layer nonetheless. <laughs> so I'm going to press this button. <laughs> God damn it. You changed the game and I still lost. I try so hard to be <laughs> humble about trivia and Andrew keeps just gassing me up and I don't know what to do about it. I can't help it. We're going to run out of theme song. Thank you all for joining us. <laughs> and in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theater Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Dude.